I'm Norman Thurecht from Pitch Partners, and I'm joined by Mario Capana, CEO of Ventura Health. Welcome, Mario. Thanks, Norman. Thanks for the opportunity today. Mario, we're just uh, we're living in interesting times, and we've seen over the last couple of years um, a lot of change in the industry. But with change comes challenges. Within the Ventura Health Group, what, what have been some of the biggest challenges that the members have had? The past two years have seen a lot of challenges, as you say, Norman. Um, and I suppose the biggest challenge has really been dealing with uncertainty. Uh, the COVID pandemic has led to a real lot of uncertainty in in general and in our industry. And that's caused a lot of disruption, uh, an environment where you had to adapt and adapt quickly in order to survive. So uh, clearly many industries didn't have that option open to this. Fortunately, we had that option community pharmacy. Not all, not all areas fared as well as others. So certainly some of the CBD pharmacies uh, were hardest hit and they're still recovering. Um, but generally, pharmacy fared well. Um, I'd say that uncertainty led to many challenges. Um, we're pretty familiar with a lot of those challenges. We've all lived through them. Um, you know, it's kind of started off almost as a, a, an existential challenge in a way. Uh, and it's moved to a situation where you know, we're now trying to find ways to live with COVID. Those, those early days, you know, it was really tough trying to work out how we keep our doors open, keep our staff and our customers safe. Uh, and they were, they were really big challenges. As a franchise business, we had to work out how our stores could navigate through those early days, comply with those almost daily changes in public health orders, which were baffling at times, and then how best to advise our stores and how to support them through that. Maria, that's a, it's an interesting point you raise um, in relation to the staff and the customers um, during COVID. I mean, COVID hasn't gone away. And I, I know within your group, some of your members have larger footprint stores. So obviously more staff, more customers in, in the vicinity or in the pharmacy. I mean, how are you managing that both then and now, given COVID hasn't gone, gone away? Because there's a real risk here um, to the roster. It's certainly... Uh, has been a challenge uh, through the pandemic. You know, these stores not only are large, but they're in areas that were worst hit by the pandemic. So Western Sydney, for example, you know, probably some of the hardest hit areas in, in Australia, um, arguably. But, uh, you know, the, the stores were definitely challenged. Um, you know, for us, it was really just a case of trying to help them negotiate through those public health order changes structure their, their stores the best way, their rosters the best way they possibly could and deal with it that way. And as you quite rightly say, that hasn't gone away. The biggest challenge going forward is going to be, you know, dealing with labour shortages, dealing with this shortage of people, workforce, really. It's been the number one challenge for sure. Certainly out of adversity, Mario, comes opportunity. And whilst we saw through the pandemic some of the front shop categories decreasing in volume, I mean, as people couldn't go out obviously they didn't buy as much makeup and fragrance and so forth but they certainly turned to turned their focus to health and looking after themselves so what what do you see as the opportunities that have come from the last couple of years for the group um there's certainly been some uh, great opportunities arise and we've seen things that probably wouldn't have come about normally in a, um, a short time frame for example electronic prescriptions uh, vaccinations, um, you know, we've you know we've implemented those things. Yes, there are things that need to occur with them still. Um, we need to streamline a lot of those things, but they're in place. 
uh, pharmacy has established a role in the delivery of both of those things. Uh, and that's probably been accelerated through the pandemic. So, you know, it, it now is part of the landscape. And I see great opportunities just there with those two things. That our roles there will expand um, and electronic prescriptions will ultimately improve efficiencies in stores. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, the, the advent of electronic scripts, whilst it's in its infancy, is probably the number one workflow change that pharmacy's seen for some time in terms of having to manage the customer through a paperless journey. I think that the opportunity is for pharmacies to look at how they do things differently. How do you see that happening in the group? That's probably the greatest challenge right now is how we pull together a whole lot of disparate systems that um, that we've we've had to adapt just in order to implement. Now it's a case of how do we, we become more efficient with that? How do we uh, introduce efficiencies? Um, but you know, certainly dealing with electronic prescriptions today is a challenge, um, and that's just simply because of the the you know the rate which we I suppose the speed with which we've had to implement them. Um, it, now it's a case of ingraining them in our systems looking at how we make that more efficient. Yeah, and, and to an extent that might solve some of the labour problems that we're seeing, but but on the, on the flip side, we still need people to serve people. Computers can't do it all. Mario, the, the Guild, uh, if, we, if we cast our mind back to March, April, May, June 2020, the Guild were in the throes of negotiating the Seventh Agreement. A very tough environment, no doubt, to um, do that in um, and got an exceptional outcome for community pharmacy which I think is a great effort and a real um, credit to them. And they do a great job of negotiating the programs and the program income. But what's the group doing, the Ventura Health Group doing, to help its members actually clearly articulate and develop and roll out in store this service-based revenue stream? So from our perspective uh, as a group, uh, we're looking to assist stores in in. Uh, making it easier for them to deliver these services. So how do we streamline booking systems? How do we make it easier for consumers to uh, reach and contact and communicate and book these services, communicate with their pharmacies and book these services? And then marketing those services, making sure that that consumers know that we deliver them, know that we've got them available in our stores. Maria, that's great that the, uh, that the group is um, facilitating ease of access from the customer's point of view. From an in-store experience, what, what, what has the um, head office or, or group done to help its members reconfigure some of these stores? Because in, in my experience, some of the stores haven't historically been set up to cater for a lot of this. So, Norman, with a lot of our stores, they have been set up relatively well from a workflow perspective. Um, The stores have all individually dealt with their own environments themselves to now. Uh, As we work our way through these productivity changes and these efficiency changes that I think we all need to look for and need to find, um, we'll start to advise stores more and more on how best to, to set up their stores in order to Embrace things like, you know, how, how do you deal with uh, e-prescriptions, so that workflow? Um, is your store able to deal with vaccinations and other services properly and efficiently? 
Um, but to date, it's been a case of each store dealing with it themselves, and we'll wade more and more into that space as we go forward. When I look at the um, the challenges that we see out there, and you know, there's things like supply chain, um, access to products, staffing's obviously one of them. What's the brand doing in a broad development sense to improve the customer engagement so that we make the customers more sticky? Our focus, Norman, uh, as a group, uh, Syncota Discount Chemist, has been very much on the retail side of the business. So um, for us, we have focused throughout the pandemic and and will continue to focus on on our retail offering. Um, we, We believe that that's important to generate uh, traffic flow into our stores, uh, and that means that then our stores can deliver services to those customers. You, you can't deliver services if the customers aren't coming to your shop, to your store. So for us, we'll, we will continue to focus on engaging uh, consumers through um, good, strong marketing, having a good, strong retail offer. Uh, it's interesting when you look at uh, some of the, the sales data that comes through people like IRI, consumers are looking for value. They're, they're looking for, you know, it's still a number one or number two and number three determinant essentially of which store consumers, customers, our customers go to. Um, and therefore, you know, it, it's that retail offer is really important and value is really important. What the pandemic did to a lot of retailers is it prevented you from actually retailing. You know, you were put under restrictions, your customers were under restrictions and they weren't therefore able to behave like they previously did. So the concept of, of retailing is really important. Um, but then if we look at value, Mario, on, I mean, the challenge that we face today, and it's really changing almost weekly, is the pressure on the purse of the customer or the patient. You know, with fuel prices at $2 or bit more than $2 and, and the rising cost of meat and fruit and veg in um, supermarkets. Customers start to make choices that, that sometimes we can't control. Is the group doing some work with its members around price points, KVIs and so forth and, and that changing dynamic? That's, a, that's an area that we've always focused on, Norman. So, um, uh, you know, being a discount pharmacy, we, we understand that um, – consumers are are looking for value and we position ourselves there specifically and we continue to work on that we we work on our kvis uh, extensively Uh, our promotional activity is is aggressive in order to drive foot traffic into our stores Um, and we've set up our cost structures in a in a way that we can deal with that now clearly there are other challenges that that are coming at us and we need to deal with those and that's obviously the labour shortages and the, the increased cost of labour that we've spoken about. So that's going to be something we need to grapple with. But we set up our stores in order to be able to deal with that lower margin, that more aggressive price point in order to drive and retain customers. Yes, and as we come out of the period of the pandemic, and sorry, sort of harp on this period a little bit, but as we come out of it and trading sort of might tend to normalise a bit, what, what, what are you seeing as the patient response to that? We've had fantastic customer growth over the last um, four weeks, the last quarter, and, you know, outstripping traditional pharmacy. And, you know, most of the discount pharmacy space is, but our group is is faring particularly well through that period, right through Matt's uh, moving annual total last quarter and last four weeks. So really good, strong 
results for us, really good strong trading results. Mario, within the model, uh, are the members trying to run a multiple pharmacist environment in store or they, uh, because of the labour restrictions, are they, are they looking more at a sort of single pharmacist environment? Generally, multiple pharmacists, Norman. The stores are, are bigger um, generally and they can afford to run multiple pharmacist um, situations or scenarios. Uh, and that enables them to deliver these services. It's very difficult to deliver in a smaller pharmacy with just one pharmacist. And therefore, they're leveraging via the use of techs as well into that dispensary so they can be out the front? Yes, absolutely. Techs are a, a really important part of our model. Uh, it just frees up pharmacists' time to be able to, A, talk to customers, um, and B, provide those professional services. So we see the use of techs as absolutely uh, vital in, in this environment. And members must be pleased with that outcome in terms of sustainable growth on turnover, margin, net profit to allow them to reinvest. It's a good position to be in. I think the, the, the thing really is going to be making sure that we can keep those costs under control, but certainly from a, a sales uh, growth perspective, a gross margin dollar perspective, we're seeing really good growth there. It's just now trying to rein in costs, which you know, naturally are going to be increasing through this period. Yeah, that's right. And I, I was talking to someone the other day, Mario, and I fear that anyone with a retail lease that's peaked to CPI has got a bit of a hurdle in front of them for the next 12, 24 months, um, as opposed to a standard rate of increase. Interesting times. Um, from a head office perspective, Mario, um, you, you've, you've obviously got some resources internally and obviously backed by a, a wholesaler. So you, you've got some leverage there. What's the group doing to leverage that strong resource into stores to, to push the development of future stores, whether that's store growth, store development of, of categories, um, layout, design, et cetera? What, what's the group doing in that respect? So a couple of areas we're working on there, Norman. We, we continue to focus, we've always had a very strong focus on the uh, merchandise management uh, and promotions management and promotional activities um, side of the business. So call it merchandise management essentially. And that's been a strong focus. We've invested a lot of um, our resources in that space and we'll continue to invest in that space. We think that's a that's really important for our stores. Um, you know, good uh, ranging, uh, appropriate ranging, uh, good um, category strategies, uh, planograms, promotional activity, price pointing is all part of that. Um, and you know, I think we've got a good good relationships with our suppliers. Um, you know, they they you know they understand what we deliver, and that's what they're looking for groups to deliver. Um, so we'll continue to focus there. In regards to the other point, in, in regards to network growth, new stores, that's certainly something that um, we believe is a great opportunity for us going forward in a very competitive market or in a market where consumers are looking for value. Uh, I think our group can fare particularly well, particularly when pharmacists start to understand that they, they need to embrace you know, a, a price pointing and a I suppose, a more aggressive pricing strategy, uh, I think you know, we'll, we'll see a lot more traction, a lot more uh, interest in our group as a consequence of that. Yes. Mario, as you develop out that, that retail strategy for the members, 
you know, to use a technical term, um, do you focus a lot on the gross margin return on inventory or is it gross margin return on space that's the priority for the group? We, we look at gross margin return on inventory, making sure that you know, the dollars you have invested uh, you know, is working for you. Generally, the, generally the space comes uh, at a, a reasonable cost for us. We're not typically in shopping centres paying high rent. Um, so whilst that's important, it's the return on inventory that's far more important for us. Yeah, I guess that's an interesting distinction we should make for the, for the listeners here that the, mar- the margin is a little bit lower. The return on inventory is therefore a priority um, to make sure that the throughput is there, but the dollars are very much ending up probably the same um, in an overall sense. It's just a slightly different model at the front. Just going back to a point that we talked about before in relation to that return to retail post-pandemic and, and really getting back to being traders, are you seeing a level of resistance in the members from doing that or are they completely open to it and know that we've just got to charge on and get on with it? In our group, we've got a, a bunch of pharmacists who really embrace this space and, and get it. Uh, and they're, they're, they're going at uh, retailing really hard. So they understand that they've got to get people back in their stores. That's a great opportunity. And they're marketing their stores very hard. But, but not just from a retail perspective. It's also the other services. So I, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that, um, that the other services are really important in our businesses. You know, famous for value. We're famous for care. And that care component and those services are really important. The interesting thing now is for us to find like-minded pharmacists who probably don't quite understand uh, our model as, as well, you know, and uh, we'd like to kind of reach out to people who, you know, see some traction or see some mileage in this model. So, Mario, just focusing on that retail model, which we're trying to drive with the members there, what, what does the average retail sale look like within the group? So, Norman, the average basket size in our stores is just north of $24, from a click and collect perspective, we're seeing average basket size of just north of $70. So we're seeing quite large basket sizes in click and collect there. That is a, that is a big number, Mario. And just for, for me and, and the listener, just try to explain to us why that is and what they're buying. It's a, it's a broad range of products, but what we, can, what we see there is that as consumers order online, they're buying more things because they're, they're there online buying. So we're just seeing them buy larger number of items and that's uh, translating to that, that higher average sale. And, and who gets the sale, Mario, in this transaction of click and click? Who gets that? So as a franchisor, we, we create the platform and that's, there, that's created for the stores to use. The stores benefit 100% from the sales. It goes all goes directly to the stores for them. And is it ultimately up to the store to promote that service, or is that it sort of plastered all over the marketing for the group as well? We we market that as a group. We market that quite extensively on our website, and obviously in store, we we encourage our stores to promote that internally. Whilst we're seeing smallish volumes uh, online at the moment, um, certainly we expect that to increase, and we want to make sure that we have that option covered because consumers will choose to shop with you whichever way they they wish and we we need to make sure we've got that option open to them 
Of course, the advantage of click and collect is that the customers still come into the pharmacy and, and what we've seen is no doubt you and, and, and others have in the industry during the pandemic, you know, people have started to shop more locally than ever before and to get their foot traffic in store is super important. Mario, um, yeah, it's been an interesting couple of years, but uh, can I ask, how do you see the future of pharmacy? I see the future of pharmacy is really positive, Norman. I think that there is a, a great future. I think we will see pharmacies, or we've certainly seen pharmacies' role in um, the delivery of primary health care cemented, and I think that will just continue to grow. So that will create greater opportunities in delivery of healthcare services. We've seen that already with vaccinations. That will just open up uh, and there'll be greater um, number of services offered through pharmacies. So I certainly see a great future for pharmacy. I do see that it will become increasingly digital. Um, so that, that I think, um, provides a lot of opportunities for us. Um, but, you know, there, there's great potential for community pharmacy. Thanks very much, Mario, for the conversation today. Thank you, Norman. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'm Norman Thurek from Pitcher Partners, and I've been in conversation with Mario Capana, CEO of Ventura Health.